Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again for parenting. Joanna, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Here's your first question. My four-year-old daughter was diagnosed with several food allergies. She's lactose intolerant and has a severe reaction to gluten. We had to put extreme restrictions on her diet and she can only eat lactose and gluten-free foods. Her other two siblings are allergy-free and can eat whatever they want. Our family trips to the shops have become a nightmare as our daughter wants to have the same treats as her brothers do. I try to find places that serve vegan and lactose-free ice cream, but the boys don't want to eat them, as they say they find them disgusting. What can I do to keep my daughter's uh, strict diet and not make her feel treated differently from her brothers? I mean, you can't. You can't, I think you no. have to start from a place of acknowledging that you actually can't do that because her diet by virtue of how strict and restrictive it is, is different to her brothers. Mm. So if you start from a place of saying, I really don't want her to feel different, I want this to be the same, you're setting yourself up to fail. So I think you have to approach this in a different way. I'd come at this in a way of explaining to all of the kids that some foods are going to make your four-year-old feel really sick. Some of them will and some won't. And you're all working together to make sure that you know the difference between the foods that upset her tummy or whatever way they Mm. affect her and foods that don't. And in doing that, you want to explain clearly, you know, safe foods and unsafe foods for her because she's four and she won't have gotten that yet. And she has to begin to be able to gain some mastery over that for herself going forward because she's going to be at birthday parties, hopefully. She's going to be in school and Mm. and away from you so that she can recognise that as well. And have some samples in front of you of these are foods that your brothers can eat but they would make your tummy hurt or they would make your skin hurt again whatever way it affects her and always use we that we need to read the ingredients and make a game out of that so they you know the older kids as well could turn over the ingredients and say oh this one goes in this pile because it has that ingredient that upsets her Mm. and you're building a kind of really informed practical food education way with them and you know we we, it really what I'm trying to say is that try and help your older kids as well to become a little more sensitive you know when they're in the vegan lactose free ice cream and going that's disgusting that you know that you're trying to get them a little bit more sensitive to how their sister has to eat differently and how mm. we can all support her in doing that and I think as well you could at home with them and involve all of the kids in this make some safe snacks and treats at home you know, make it fun to do it. I think it's always good and useful to put playfulness into this and bring some of those with you. Now, I know it can be well and good when you're out and about and you have your little lunchbox of healthy pre-approved snacks and then you walk by an ice cream shop and everything. That's not what they want. They don't want the energy balls you've Mm. made at home. They want the ice Mm. cream or the candy floss or whatever it is. But I think if you kind of plan ahead, if you're going into the shop or wherever it is that you do a sweep yourself beforehand and you know where are the safe foods for her and you can redirect her to that. I think you want to highlight what she can eat as much as what she can't. As always, though, there are some books in this area that actually I think can be really useful, particularly with little ones and their siblings, about normalising these food allergies. So there's a night that look at, as always, look these up and you can usually get a little... um, peek inside you know if you look online at these books and have a read um, because some of them are American and they can be very American in tone so you'll pick which ones work for you but there's a nice one called um, Matilda Has an Allergy by Amy Allen and it talks about this little girl Matilda and how she has an allergy and she has to be careful about things there's another lovely one for little kids um, all about little insects and they're the bugabees friends with food allergies and it's by Amy 
Recob, I think her name is. And what really I like about that one is all the little insects in the story have an allergy each, like they all have a different one and they all have to be aware of each other and take care of each other. And it's a nice message, not just for the child who has food allergies, but for the children around them as well. And on that, there is one that's more about interactive exercises and activities that can be done in the classroom, but also done at home called Can I Have Some Cake Too? Um, So it's a story, but there are also little activities that you can do around it. I think they're a great way to get a conversation going. And with the little bugabees one, like you can get an egg box and some pipe cleaners and the sticky eye things and you can make little bugs from the story and act it out and be playful with it. I think the best way for your four-year-old to get greater insight into it is to play with it. The poor little thing. no, it's a lot. Because the lactose is, is bad enough, but the, the, the gluten free, oh my God. Now, at least there's way more options in supermarkets and everything and restaurants and cafes yeah. there's, than there used to be because mm. it used to be so difficult if you had a child with gluten sensitivity or celiac to eat out. But now there are more options. Yeah. Not everywhere, but at least yeah. it's improved. And you do have to be careful as well because often the gluten free thing is just filled with salt. I know. I know and um, you have to be just that's why I think making your own snacks gives you a level of control but you do have to have that idea that I got something in the shop like the others did things like that as well Yeah uh, Already uh, Ivan at the Doggy Food Company says I make vegan sorbet uh, for the retail sector I'd be happy to send some to that poor child who can't have lactose or gluten Could you call it like ice cream uh, rather than sorbet I think to a four year old that would probably well, sell it better Well you definitely could and yeah. that sounds fabulous Yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how to handle this problem my wife and I are having with our little boy. He's six. With the slightest disagreement, e.g. being told it's bedtime or his friends going home for a, from a play date, he will fly off the handle into a massive tantrum, threatening us, threatening to leave, trying to hit us and saying various other stuff he thinks will hurt us. He really loses his temper. In the past, he has scraped the sides off his face, leaving marks on himself. He's generally very remorseful shortly afterwards and then starts to scorn himself as to how useless and stupid he is. It breaks my heart. My regret is that he most likely learn this behaviour, I fear that I have set a bad example. I can get angry with unreasonable work-related demands, which he has seen more of, with me now working from home. These are generally manifested in me giving out or complaining about something and occasionally losing my temper as well. I'm not violent, and I generally will be very hard on myself afterwards. I'm aware of this and try not to do any of this stuff in front of him anymore. How best can I console my little boy or try to subdue his temper? Does he need to visit a child psychologist? Oh, gosh, there's a lot here, isn't there? Yeah. And I think what really jumps out at me is, yes, you have an overtly angry little boy, but just barely simmering beneath that layer of anger is quite a degree of distress. You know, he's actually hurting himself. And then, you know, it says here quite quickly, like these are quick bursts, outbursts. And then he feels really remorseful, but more than remorseful, he really turns that in on himself. I'm stupid. I'm this. I'm that. And it, it, there's a high degree of distress involved here. And I think this this dad has done quite a bit of reflection on where has it come from? Could it be me? And at at his age, you know, he's still very much co-regulating rather than self-regulating. So with his parents... They are the ones he's going to, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, kids have been around their parents Mm. more than any other grownups. But he's mostly going to lean on and even lean into his parents to co-regulate with them. So all of that said, one of the best ways that any of us can support our young children's regulation is to work on our own self-regulation.
Okay, yeah. and that's that's not about blaming a parent. Far from it. This is about using that insight you have into look. He's seen me do this, and I'm aware of it, and I'm working on him not seeing me. But actually, let him see you lose your temper or get angry in a healthier way, and model for him how you self-regulate your frustration or your disappointment or when you get overwhelmed so that he can learn from you as well. So, you know, one of the ways, look, if as a parent you're thinking, yeah, I'm definitely prone to flipping my lid and afterwards I go, that wasn't my finest moment, but there is a pattern of me doing it. One good way of gaining insight into that is to do a therapeutic parenting programme. And we've mentioned these here before, something like Circles of Security. It really looks inwards to parent outwards. It's really about us looking into what was our own experience of being parented? Where do our triggers Mm. and so-called buttons come from? And then linking that to what happens within us when our children do and say something because that's what we're responding from. And if we can control those triggers ourselves, we can change that behaviour in our children in a much more therapeutic way than stop it, don't do this and that kind of recurring pattern. So that's certainly one way to do it. But I also think here that there's something about, you know, this letter is saying what the child does when he's angry. He shouts, he hits, he hurts himself. But it doesn't say what as parents you're doing and saying when he's in those angry episodes. And that's as important as what he's doing. So how do you reach him? How does his anger and rage make you feel? You know, what are you doing with that in the moment and in the aftermath to build in repair following the relational rupture? Like, how are you doing the piece of whoa, that was a lot. Mm. Okay, big feelings, big actions. Here's what we're going to do going forward. Because it does sound like disappointments and perceived lack of control is what's triggering this for him. You know, it's bedtime. Your friends have to go. The play date is over. Turn off the TV or games console. Those are his triggers. So again, what can you do to give him a heads up, like turning a big sand timer saying, hey, when the sand hits the bottom, play date's over so that he has more control over those endings. I think something like that ACT approach I've mentioned before about, you know, acknowledging his feeling. I know you're frustrated and disappointed. Uh, Communicating a limit. We don't hurt others or ourselves and target an alternative. If you want to hit something when you feel mad, hit the cushion or let's blow up a balloon and you can punch it or let me hold out a piece of newspaper and you can punch right through it. Tell him what he can do into positively redirect that anger and frustration. Um, I also think, though, that when you're describing him as angry, let's not see him or pigeonhole him as the angry child in your family because he is a child who's experiencing anger, but he's capable of a range of emotions. So help him build a broader emotional vocabulary using parts language. This is actually your disappointed or frustrated part. It's coming out as anger, but I think you're sad. Helping him understand his feelings. And you could do that with like, you know, putting him on a big sheet of art paper, tracing around, he's only six, you know, Mm -hmm. trace around his body, have a selection of colours. He assigns a different colour for every feeling and he colours in his body where those feelings live. He can tell you a time he's felt those feelings. So linking it to relational episodes and he gets to see, hey, look at that. Like I'm made up of lots of feelings, not just anger. Because this isn't just anger. This is about a whole other set of feelings going on. I think there's a few ways that they could play with it. But it starts with regulating ourselves as parents 
so that we can withstand these behavioural outbursts in our children. Yeah, because, well, even though obviously seeing mommy or daddy freaking out is probably not a good thing, but uh, kids still do this anyway, uh, even if the parents are the calmest people in the world. No, it sounds like he's just not able to regulate. This is the thing. And like at six, let's manage our expectations of how much regulation our children can do. Developmentally, they're still developing. So he hasn't got a a a grasp on that. But I just think when things are coming out as so much anger, I'm always curious, well, what's beneath that? Mm -hmm. You know, how else could he learn about those feelings and express them differently? So anything like that is a good way. And helping him to know, like, here are things you can do and you're sad. Here are things you can do when you're angry and here are things you can do when you're frustrated or disappointed. And you give him a little checklist of things. You can go outside, you can stamp your feet, we could put on music and dance, we could wiggle all our feelings out, we can shake it out. Give him a whole range of things that he can do. Mm. Right. Uh, on a, well, on a similar vein, or perhaps yeah. not, uh, our 15-month-old insists on screaming very loudly out of nowhere and for no reason at all. It's not because she's upset or hurt or, or hungry. She's only started this recently, but it is alarming. And we're worried and will bother the neighbours in the apartment block where we live. She doesn't understand at all when we tell her not to do it. She absolutely doesn't understand at all. That is 100% true, <laughs> true. because she's 15 months old. And, you know, like... Interesting and unhelpful, (laughs) to start with being unhelpful here, is toddlers scream for all kinds of reasons. Mm. You know, it could be, you know, they scream from frustration, you know, they don't get what they want or they scream as a way of bringing your focus completely onto them. But also they can scream for no apparent reason. Other than, you know, they're discovering... They can. Exactly. But they're discovering maybe the power, the extent, the range of their voice. Would you look at that? Look at how high and loud I can get. Look how long I can do that mm. for. Let's try it again. And they're exploring in terms of that prosody and musicality of voice, all of the sounds that they can make while still developing language. So she doesn't have words that's why you saying, you know, please don't do that. You're upsetting the neighbours. I mean, literally, she's hearing wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's just not going in there at all. So, you know, I would say a couple of things up to try here. As I said, I'd be unhelpful, but I'll try to be a little helpful with it because there isn't a whole lot you can do mm-hmm. with this. It will, as she grows up and develops more and, you know, develops her language skills, you will see a difference in this. But make sure that you are getting outside every day, no matter what the weather is, even on days like today when it's lashing for some physical noisy play Mm. because it helps toddlers to release that built up tension and they need that. They need to jump in puddles and climb over and fall over and roll over and they need all of that physical activity. They need to shout and be shouted back at, you know, yelling and whispering and bringing our voices into it so they don't have to do it in your apartment at home. Um, at least not just do it in your apartment at home. But I also think you could try joining her when it happens and make a bit of a game out of it and say, wow, you've got a loud scream. Let's see, can I scream that loud? Don't scream as loud as her. Scream a little bit quieter than her. And then bring your voice really quiet and say, can you go as quiet as me? Can you go to the middle like me? Can you go back up, back to... And you're bringing her up, down, up, down, settle somewhere in the middle and call that this is our inside voice. Let's use our inside voices now for a while. And I think you could then transition that into making funny noises, animal noises. Can you quack like me? Can you moo like me? And you're using, you know, the art of redirection and distraction to move Mm. her from screaming, but using her voice in all kinds of ways that you modulate with and for her. Um, I I just think as well, just hold in mind her activity levels. Might she be over or under stimulated? Because that can also contribute to 
outbursts like screaming and a need to release tension. So be aware, is there maybe too much screen time, not enough play time? Is there a good balance? And just making sure she's not over or understimulated. Uh, could getting a reaction be a factor here? Always. Yeah. Always. Because and screaming jumping is out very, of their skin. very effective at doing that, isn't it? So especially when we're all working from home and our children, especially the little ones, they see us, but we're not actually available to them. That's very confusing for a toddler. Mm. But you're sitting there. Why aren't you playing with me? What's this work thing you're talking about? Hey, I'll scream. Then you'll have to come over to me. Yeah. So it can be that as well. Uh, just going back to uh, the little girl with the allergies. Uh, one texter says, I was the kid with the gluten intolerance growing up. I know it will be hard, but it's important that the little girl sees all the mm-hmm. options that they are so much better than they were five years ago. Yeah. There are plenty of brands and small businesses that are filling the void you have. It just takes a little bit of research. Uh, someone else says, HB, do a delicious vegan magnum. Uh, Mark says, uh, flip vegan ice cream in Georgia Street Arcade is amazing. The other kids will love it too. Well, that's uh, if these uh, people actually are in or around the, the different area. Uh, and Conal says, I'm not a parent. Not the best words to use at the start of this lot. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but, there are, but are there ways to convince kids that they're actually eating the nicer treats if you start early enough? If they're never going to be able to try the other snacks, how would they know any better? I don't know, Conal, but I can tell you as a parent that uh, any child can smell vegetables through a brick wall. They also have the uh, a visual acuity of a scanning electron microscope, no matter how small you grind up the vegetables yep. into their spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> and uh, Tom in Rathgar says, uh, in, in relation to uh, the 15-month-old, I hear wah, 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 when anyone is given out to me too, and I'm 51. Yes, good policy for life. Right, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We do have to take a break. After that, a parent who's sick of being the good cop. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. Joanna is still with us for our parenting slot. Now, next question is this. My nine-year-old son requires a lot of discipline, but over the years, I seem to have settled into the good cop role. My husband passed away two years ago, and he was much better at handling any tricky situation from our child. Now I find that I continue to struggle to reprimand my son, and he's gotten too used to the arrangement. But I don't want him to get away with misbehaving. He now finds that when I discipline him, that it's merely laughable. And he winds me up so much that he doesn't take me seriously that I just give up and let him at it. How can I be sterner with him in a way that makes him think twice about acting up? Oh, gosh, I like my mm. sincere condolences on the loss, you know, of your husband, yeah, of his father. You know, that's there. just such yeah. a difficult experience for for both of them. I, ju- I also think, you know, when there's been such a significant life event like that, a, a, the loss of a parent at such a young age and your partner, it stands to reason that you would take your foot off the discipline pedal, mm. you know, and you'd make a lot of exceptions and a lot of allowances for behaviour while you're neg- both negotiating the loss and the grief associated. So just really kind of give yourself a bit of a break on that. You know, it's not this whole idea of good cop as well is really interesting because it shouldn't be either or like, you know, and I think it highlights as well that if if one of you does discipline and the other does nurture, you have to actually be able to do both. Like you have to be able to step in and take charge and put down the boundaries because while no child on the planet will ever thank you for a boundary or a limit, mm. they need them, but they it helps them to feel safe. And it's what we would l- refer to as inner state felt safety. So that's that sense of feeling safe from the inside out. I feel safe within myself and in relation to others. You Discipline alone doesn't do that. Boundaries, structure does mm-hmm. that. I'm also really interested here, Jean, like this, why you're describing your son as requiring a lot of discipline. 
Like why? Why does he require a lot of discipline? Is there a reason? Is there a developmental reason? Is there something else going on? And I'm wondering how he has previously responded to discipline from his dad. You know, what kind of behaviour are we talking about here? Is this the mild to moderate stuff that kids do? Or is this an over and above? There's something else going on here. Um, I also think as a parent, just take some time to reflect and ask and answer yourself. You know, we're great at asking questions, I think, but we're not so great at stopping to answer those yes. questions for ourselves but it's important that you do because is there a reason that you've historically found it difficult to discipline to take up that role and you know and that you've left that side of parenting to to your partner um, I, I'd suggest you start with that question and answer and work backwards like why is it difficult for me to do it and where does that come from because your son at this stage has to learn a new way of seeing you, that it's you and him. I, I, there's no mention of any other children here, mm, but it's yeah. you guys now. And you have to, I think sometimes it can catch our children a little unawares that we're not saying, listen, you've got to change your behaviour and you've got to up your game. That we start with taking responsibility and saying, you know, look, I've realised something. Um, you know, I haven't really taken my responsibility as your parent seriously and I haven't helped you to learn good ways to behave and how to manage your behaviour. And that's on me. But I'm taking my job seriously and I'm going to change how I do things. So from now on, you're going to see me do or say and when your behaviours, I'll call you out on it. And here's what we're going to do. And you actually agree with him appropriate like consequences it's not yeah. about because I think you have to understand what do you understand by discipline is it that you see it as it's a punishment driven thing or is it that you want to teach positive behaviour because d- effective discipline teaches behaviour you want to see it doesn't just punish behaviour you don't want to see because inadvertently you'll reinforce the behaviour you don't want to see and it'll keep going. And can you be creative with it? Like, can you come up with really creative discipline solutions? And there are lots of ways of looking at that. So I think I think you have to establish yourself as the parent in charge. And that's not about going, hey, I'm in charge. If you ever mm. have to say that, you're absolutely not in yes. charge. OK, because <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't have to you're say explaining it. explaining, you're exactly, losing. Yeah. Exactly, yes. exactly. So, you know, but try doing it and actually say, calling him out. And even saying, you know, when it, when it does affect you that way, say, look, I know this is I'm not comfortable being the parent who gives out, but I've got to do better. So here's what we're going to do going forward and bring him in on it. He's nine years old. Mm, yeah. And so therefore he understands that Absolutely if, you, if you do this thing, you, you might not get this thing that you like. But you've got to be consistent with that yeah, because that's yeah, where he's yeah. laughing at you. Because if you're the parent who says, that's it, you're not going out for a month. We're, none of us are going to deliver on that. Yeah, All we do is yeah. undermine ourselves. Make it real. Make it now. Make it quick and move on. Mm. But you've got to actually stick to what you say and do that consistently so he can predict and anticipate with certainty. Oh, things have changed. You mean business. Yeah. That's what I mean by learn a new way of seeing you. Yeah, that'll take... You know, like how to establish a new habit and how long that takes. And you can read a million different articles as to how long that takes. How long does, on average, does it take a nine-year-old to realise that things have changed? Oh, it's not going to happen the first, second, even third time. This is about you turning up and you being consistent with it. So Mm. I I would say that if you can hold that line, and it's about gentle yet firm. It shouldn't be that you take up this really in-your-face authoritarian position because you can't put yourself in a zone that's not authentic and not comfortable for you. But you're holding that gentle yet firm line. And if you can do that consistently, Consistently, you will see a change in a matter of weeks, not months. But again, I don't know the level of the discipline required here or what his behaviour is. If we're talking fairly typical nine-year-old behavioural transgressions, I'd say be consistent. You could see a change. 
eight weeks, six to eight weeks. Sinead says my parents definitely had this dynamic when I was a child and still do now if I'm being honest my siblings still give out about my mother to this day and we're all in our 30s it's inherently unfair but I think Mm -hmm. my dad is just the type who is stoic and or chilled out about everything so he can't be the bad cop Uh, I used to clash with my mother all the time when I was younger but now we get on really well I have so much respect for the role she had to play as part of the parenting team it must be really difficult to lose one member of that team well indeed uh, uh, hugely hugely. Uh, right the next question is partly pet owning partly Mm -hmm. parenting Uh, my wife really wants us to get a Jack Russell Terrier but I'm very concerned that it could be tricky for us now that we have a baby. You hear so many horror stories. Our baby is crawling and pulling at everything. Is it okay to have a dog with a baby or is it better to wait until the child understands better how to relate to an animal? Oh, look, there's no easy answer here. And I would always defer to the education centre with somebody like Dogs Trust or DSPCA or the local animal shelter, wherever you're based, because those organisations really understand animal education, pet education. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about. So that's way out of my expertise area. But there are people who are experts in that. I think outside of this, you know, think about why you want a dog right now or why one of you doesn't really want a dog right now because that's why you're writing to me so that I say don't get a dog. But actually, you know, have a think about that because you're on different pages about the pet thing and that's not going to work. Everyone has to be ready for the pet because a lot of responsibility with taking in a dog and and introducing a pet to your family. I'm wondering, you know, your wife really wants a Jack Russell Terrier. Did she grow up with one and she wants that experience for the baby? And given your baby is, you know, crawling, pulling, all of that about nine months old I'm guessing Mm. okay so you I mean look at the bottom line is you certainly can get a dog but be aware of the amount of work involved Absolutely, that home. was. I mean, I, yeah. uh, they seem to be uh, worried that you know a, a puppy might snap at a baby, or, or the something baby like might that. pull at pull the at puppy the and uh, elicit um, a snap. Yeah, uh, but yeah, a dog is as much work, not as much work as a baby, but you're getting there, uh, oh, and yeah. and and the level of neediness is just the same. And uh, it's an adult responsibility. It's yes. not like you're. If this is a dog for your baby, your baby's not going to clean up after the dog, train no. the dog, walk the dog, feed the dog. You are. Mm. So just be really aware of that. You know that settling the dog into a home, introducing everyone at home, like. It's a process. Again, please go to one of the animal organisations who will absolutely provide you with everything involved. I don't want to say, God, no, don't do it. But at the same time, eyes wide open doing it. Yeah, especially if they get a puppy. Puppy's not house trained yet. As you know. Puppy, (laughs) Puppy poops all over the house. You have a crawling baby. You think about that one for a while. Yeah, gonna... so true. So <laughs> that's, true. Not, that's not a pleasant picture. Uh, John, a joy as always. Thanks very much Thanks for so coming much. in to us. John, a fortune there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, we're going to take a break. After that, the Animal Bank. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.